Okay, we just took the offering. We didn't call it a tithe. We called it an offering. And we're going to learn today what is a tithe. Because there's a lot in the Bible about this subject. In fact, if you look in the Bible, and if you're interested in this link that I have to a fellow who is in the financial world, a believer, he went through the Bible and picked out all the verses that had to do with money. How many do you think, how many verses in the Bible talk about money? Hundreds. How about thousands? 2,350 verses in the Bible that talk, make reference to money. Wow! That is incredible. This must mean something to us. And it also is an observation that God must think, we think a lot about money. And so he wrote about it through his prophets, through his writers, through his disciples, so that we would know how to handle our money, what we've been given. How many of you have made your own money? No, made it, you know, as far as, (laughs) have you ever made a coin or a dollar bill or a, a thousand yen? You know, we say we make money, but we really don't make money. And you know what? The bank makes money, but sometimes they don't have the backing for it, but they print it anyway. So where does all this come from? You know, how did we get here in this building? How did we get here sitting on these chairs? Somebody had to pay money for it. Somebody had to go out and buy, and then that person had to buy the cloth to put on the chairs for the carpet, for the walls. Somebody had to make that. But where did they get the resources for that? Anybody got an answer for that? It was from the creation. It was from the earth. You know, this wall is made of something from the earth. It didn't come from nothing. We don't think in those terms, though, do we? You know, when you pull out your money and you look at it, and uh, Jesus even made a reference like this and said, uh, do you have a coin? Whose inscription is on it? Well, there isn't any on Japanese money, (laughs) at least not on the coins. But God is saying he made everything. Everything is his. And it was a gift to us. One of the wonderful things that we as foreigners enjoy about Japan is if we invite a a guest over to our house, we know that we'll always get a very nice looking cake or some fruit or very nice flowers. That's why we always invite you over. No, But that is true. We have a sense that we want to give because we have are receiving. It's in us to think that way. So what is tithing? Tithing is, uh, well, we say, like I said, we're going to take the offering. That wasn't tithing. You didn't tithe. And then we're going to take the collection. Well, we just collected some money. 
but that isn't tithing. We're going to look at the Old and the New Testament today to try to understand what is tithing, what part does it have in our life today, and what are we to do about it? How does it affect our lives? It'll give us a perspective that I don't think we've had for a while. In the Old Testament, there was tithing. And we're going to find out something about the New Testament today. That's what we're living in today. We're, we're living in the New Testament Jedi, the time of the New Testament. We're past the Old Testament. But nonetheless, tithing has something to say to us. So let's dig in. So we're going to look, first of all, at the Old Testament provision. What was that all about? Jesus teaching about tithing. And then we're going to learn something about our Father God, who is the giver of all things. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'd open our hearts now to this subject. We ask that the Holy Spirit would work in our minds and hearts as we hear, see, listen. Give me the ability to speak your truth so that it can be heard properly. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is tithing? The Old Testament provided a lot of laws, rules, and most of us, I think, find it very hard to relate to the Old Testament because, as Kent was talking about, when that hymn was written that we sang, Be Thou My Vision, that's so far away from us, we'd like to have something more jazzy next week, uh, Kent. But, you know, as Kent pointed our attention to these words, these old words, thou and even art, The Old Testament provision, and we've talked about this before, and some of you who have come for the first time, last year we talked a lot about the Old Testament and the tabernacle. And we learned some things that these somewhat strange things that they did and are written in the Bible, we just find it very, very hard to relate to in our modern age here in Tokyo. I mean, it's so far away from us. It's like almost reading historical, archaeological digs. This is the way people lived? Strange. This is the way they worshipped? Strange. But in reading all of this, it's all pointing somewhere. It's not just gathered up and, and a bunch of things put into this book and has no meaning. It all, as we talked about last year, all of it, even the colors, even the shape, even the way it was made, what it was used for, it all pointed to something significant. And you know what? For us who have been in the Bible for many, many years, we haven't even scratched the surface. We haven't even found out all the meaning that is in that book of what it means to us. And that's what, you know, Katie and I are the oldest people in this room. <laughs> and I think probably the oldest Christians. We came to the Lord many, many years ago, 
Katie much longer than me because she's older than I am. <laughs> in Christ, in Christ, she's older than I am. But the thing is, we haven't even scratched the surface. We haven't even started to understand. We keep learning. And in fact, one miracle for us has been, I was in construction and other things. After we left as missionaries here for 25 years, we went home and I worked for about 15 years in the United States. I wasn't, uh, well, I preached once in a while, but I was mostly just working with my hands, working with people. That's harder. And then I got a phone call or a email, I forget what it was, Kent. Kent said, would you come and be our pastor? And it just blew us away. But it was such a gift to us. Do you know why? Because we had opportunity to again share with people like yourselves about what we had been learning the past 15 years. And we've been able to unload this on you. And we haven't finished yet. We've got a lot more to share. So we've got to get it in before May 1st of next year, right? But it has been a joy for us to share with you. Number one, because we love the word. Number one, because we know that it was written for his people. Number two, you guys put up with an awful lot and you are drinking it in and we so appreciate that. There's nothing that makes a teacher's heart happy is to have students that are listening. And we appreciate that about you. This is a wonderful opportunity for a couple of old codgers to be able to share. Anyway, getting back to ancient history. The Old Testament, God was providing for worship to himself through the Levites, a tribe of Israel, and for the tabernacle worship. That's what tithing, the number one purpose for tithing was to give 10% to spiritual worship. 10% of each man and person's income to worship, to the worship of the living God. And that's how they built the tabernacle. That's how they paid the priests the Levites. Numbers 18.21 says, And to the sons of Levi, see, I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service which they perform. The service of the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. Okay, tithe in just very simple words means one-tenth. Actually, that word in the English comes from a very old, old word that actually meant ten households, one-tenth of what the population was in that, that area. So it's kind of a strange word even for us English speakers, tithe or tithing. It was also used for spiritual refreshing. Specific instructions were given in Deuteronomy 14:22 to 27, you shall tithe 
is talking to the people, the farmers, the children of Israel. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field every year. That's 10%. They'll set it aside. You shall exchange the tithe for money and bind the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. So they were to convert their goods, their wheat, their sheep, everything, to money and then bring that. And there you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice you and your household. And also, from the other commandment, also you shall not neglect the Levite who is in your town because they had no inheritance except what the people had given them in the tithe. So that's what it was all about. It was like God was providing to pay for those who were leading them in worship and also for the people's spiritual refreshing. Okay? The third thing was for benevolence. Deuteronomy 14 also, at the end of every three years, you shall bring out of the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns in a storehouse. In a um, the white buildings you see sometimes in an old farmhouse, that's where they store the rice, right? Keep it for the next season. Okay, that's what they were doing, storing this up. At the end of every three years, you should bring out of the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up in your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner or the alien, like I am, like Kent is, like Melissa is, the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in the work of your hands that you do. So it was to come from a heart of generosity to those who were unfortunate. It was, in some ways, it was like a welfare program for those who came to you, who needed things. And that is the way it should be for God's people because we have received so much. But all you needed to do was 10%. That's all that was required of you, was 10%. Jesus came along and talked a lot about money. Many of his illustrations were based in some part about money, because I think it's important. And here's some verses. Matthew 6, 19, 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Isn't that true? How many of you have a bank account? We all check our bank account every once in a while, don't we? I check mine at least once a week because I'm a long way away from it and it's by internet and you don't know who's gotten into my computer and might be pulling stuff out of it. There's a lot of scams out there. Be careful, folks. 
Nonetheless, we do have to have some responsibility. But what Jesus is talking about is a hoarder's attitude. Someone that keeps this and I'm just going to keep it for myself and I'm going to take care of this and it's mine. I earned it, it's mine. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And you know, we all could lose. The way the world's going right now, we all could lose our bank accounts like that. And don't think you can't. Because there's countries right now in the world where their bank account is gone. Its value is nothing. It can happen. It has happened many, many times. So where is our security? What are we talking about? What is important in our life? Jesus also said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth or money. It's not possible to have a split heart. They work contrary to the principles of life. Actually, with a with a split heart, you're here and then you're no, I'm I'm not there. I'm I'm over here. And you don't know who you are once you have split your heart. And you've got your heart set on this, and all of a sudden something happens. God, why are you so nasty? Why are you taking this away from me? Wait a minute. You were putting your trust not in God, but when you lose it, you blame Him for it. That's our human response, isn't it? I've done that. I've been tempted to do that. When something goes wrong, who's the first thing that I, or maybe the second thing or third thing that I think about is that well, why did God allow that to happen? Matthew 19:21. Jesus said to him, the him was a young man, a wealthy young man. And he said, he asked Jesus, how can I enter into heaven? How can I be perfect? And Jesus answered him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away sad, for he owned much property. Did he want to go to heaven? Did he want happiness? Sure he did. But was he willing to take his fist off of that that he owned, his bank account, his properties? He went away sad. All I'm required to do is give a tithe. And even during Jesus' time, that was the law. Only 10%. But now, Jesus is changing the game. He's putting the ante up higher. Sell all, and you'll have reward in heaven. Jesus, you can't change the rules. Moses gave us these rules. What was Jesus saying? I think he was getting to the heart of the issue. 
that you can't serve two masters. Our Father is the giver of every good and perfect gift. James 1.17, every good thing given, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation and no shifting shadow. That is a very sure word. It defines exactly where all of our wealth, all that we have, the clothes we wear, the air we breathe, all of this is from the Father, the giver of every good and perfect gift. And that's what I desire for us to understand this morning. The tithe is only 10%. You've got 90 left over for yourself. Wow, what a generous God. You would think it would work the other way, that he gets 90 because he's done so much for us and we get to live on 10%. Wouldn't you think it would be, should to be turned around that way? That should be our heart's motivation. God, I want to give you my whole life. You have been so good. You are such a great God, generous, kind, merciful, even to the point where you forgive me of my sins. By the fact that Jesus Christ died, you gave everything that heaven had to give. Not just for your salvation, but for the salvation of the whole world, and not just the people that are living right now, but every generation since man first existed was made. Wow. We should be giving him 90. Actually, we should give him 100%. Because he cares for us, and Jesus taught that. And that is what the economy is. The Old Testament economy was set up to point people to the actuality of what life is really about. So the tenth was just a reminder. I'm the one that supplies. But give back to me so that we can spread it around to other people that need it and need to see and know that I am God and there is none else. Incredible. There is no tithe in the New Testament, folks. It's written there, but it doesn't instruct any of us that we have to tithe. You do not have to give 10%. It's not a law. It's not a commandment. Wow, what's Ron saying? I think the deacons are probably going to be very worried <laughs> what I'm saying. Yes, we will have an offering next week, but remember that what God is really looking for is your heart. He's looking for your whole being and motivation and where you are in life. That's his purpose. That was what the tithe was about. First Peter 4.10 Let each one of you serve his neighbor with the gift he has received from God as good stewards of the unique grace of God. That is a, I think there's only 
This is the only phrase that says the unique grace of God. I might be mistaken on that, but check me out, okay? But that's what the word says here. That's what the translation says. The unique grace of God. God is not an ogre. God is not a evil person that wants to control you and you are just a robot in his hand? No. He is so much like a father. In fact, he is the father of us all. And from him, every father on earth has received his name because of his heart for his children. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So you're thinking about, well, we're going to go out and plant some corn. But we don't want to waste it. We don't want to just throw it around. We want to hold back because, you know, we want to make corn soup, right? But a farmer... He wants to make sure that each seed is planted properly and not just throwing it and the birds coming and getting it. Carefully plants it. But whoever plants sparingly will reap sparingly. But if you cast it around and it grows up everywhere, that's what we should be doing. Is we should be this kind of people of giving it away. Nobody is going to ask you to give all your money away. That's not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible is talking about thinking about your living situation. Maybe you're saving up for college. Maybe you've got a new computer in mind. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly. Grudgingly means... Uh, okay, I'll put some offering or under compulsion. We're not saying, okay, give, give, give. For God loves cheerful, happy, hilarious. You know what hilarious means? Oh, give me the offering bag. I want to put more in. Woo, I love to give. I love to give. That's hilarious. Something you laugh about. That's what God loves. Someone that, oh, I'll give 10 yen today. No, that's not what God wants. He wants your whole heart. That's what he wants and desires of us. And that's what he's pointing to. That's what the tithe is pointing to. And it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ who gave it all for us okay here's our conclusion I'm going to teach a little Japanese lesson right now and I hope that you won't criticize me but if I'm wrong please come up and talk to me privately okay this is a kanji that I think has meaning for us here this morning in our talk you see it What is this? It looks like a cross. It looks like a sword. And it looks like a house or something like that. 
But how do you say that? We don't read Japanese. Ju, ju bun. Ju. Oh, you mean jujika? Well, it sounds the same. It's the same shape. Ju bun. What is bun? For us who don't speak much Japanese, we know that the first one is ten, and the second one is a part. Ten parts. So it's a tenth of something. But get this in Japanese, a tenth is enough. Your life is enough. Jesus said when he was dying on the cross, Jubundas, it's enough. It's enough to pay the price for every one of us. Jubundas. That's what this is talking about. Malachi says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessing until it overflows. And which one of us would say, Ah, Jubundas, Jubunda? No. We want his blessing. We want God's blessing. He's given everything to us in Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. Philippians, Paul writes, But I have received everything in full, Jubun, and have an abundance, Jubun. I am amply supplied, Jubun having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, jubundes, an acceptable sacrifice, jubundes, well-pleasing to God. And God said, jubundes, giving your life to him who has given so much to you. His heart is full. But he says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Amen.